From VinePair's New York City headquarters, I'm Joanna Sherino. And in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Jabal. And this is the VinePair podcast. Zach, how's it going? How was your weekend? You know, it's going pretty well, honestly. Like, uh, an interesting weekend for me. Again, not to dive too deep into parenting conversations here. I promise we will we'll steer mostly clear of it. But had a, a strange weekend where both uh, my son and my wife were out of town separately from each other. So just me and my daughter. Which was kind of fun. Like, you know, we don't... I spend a lot of time with her. Like, I take care of her a lot during the week. But not a lot of, like, uh, just the two of us at home for days on end. Because (laughs) just no one goes anywhere anymore. Or at least, often it's me and her and her brother. Not so much uh, just me and her. So, you know, a little little extra daddy-daughter time was nice. And uh, relatively chill. How about you? How old is she now? She's two. Almost two. Almost two. Two in October. So, yeah. They grow up so fast. As you will find. You guys drinking a lot? <laughs> uh, Lila can throw them back pretty good. Uh, no, I mean, it, you know, it's like one of those things where I have a, like, as it's come up on the pod before, and I'll get into what I was drinking in a minute, but like, I, I have this weird thing where when I'm the only adult at home, like, the only things I will drink are beer or like whiskey meat, like after she's asleep. I don't really like... <laughs> I guess I could get into, I could open a bottle of wine and have it over a couple of nights, but Mm. I just am like, I don't know. Wine to me in particular, maybe this is what it is, is like something that I really enjoy sharing with other people. And so having it by myself, just kind of like, nah, there are other things I would rather drink or just not drink. Yeah. Um, But no, definitely on the weekend, on on the weekend when just me and and the the one kid, no, I definitely had some drinks, but it was, like I said, just, just kind of beer and whiskey. Mm -hmm. So. Nice. Yeah. I guess I'll just get into it, and then we can hear what uh, what you've been drinking, because I'm yeah. sure it flows into your weekend plans or whatever. The one the one noteworthy thing, in addition to my just sort of late night uh, whiskey sipping, was um, opened a bottle of 2008 Barolo from uh, Giovanni Rosso up in Piedmont. Really beautiful, um, just in like a really lovely drinking window, because we had a sort of like <laughs> impromptu dinner party the previous weekend with my son just sort of like aggregating friends at our house. And then one of their sets of parents came over. It was sort of like, it was like, oh, we're having eight people for dinner. Great. Okay. I'll just keep adding food to the grill. That's cool. I can do that. (laughs) Uh, It was nice. And it was, it was like a, you know, we don't, we, it was like very strange to like do the, we don't have a lot of like, I've had a lot of like dinners where like other people's kids are over and they're like, oh, like you let your kid taste wine. Uh, It was kind of a little, not like a point of conflict, just like, a, oh, I guess that is a thing that we do that like we don't really blink at. So that was fun. Nice. Yeah. How about you? What have you been drinking slash doing? Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of going in. I have this like, do you ever go in those phases where you just want like your standard drink? Like, and it's not, not anything too interesting. It's like you just want your Friday night martini or a Manhattan. And then you have nothing great to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> No, um, yeah, that's well, definitely, sometimes. yeah, that's how I've felt with like cocktails, uh, lately. Just, just, you know, had a Manhattan over the weekend. That was very nice. Um, very standard. Uh, but no, one of the best things about working at Vine Pair is all of the, uh, amazing wines that we get to taste when our tastings director is done doing his tasting for the day and he puts out the best, the best bottles for everyone to try. Um, so we recently published our best Gruner 
Gruner's List um, and one a really exceptional one that I loved that I tried at the office was the Divald uh, Luft and Liebe uh, 2019 Gruner. And this was just so delicious. I don't, I guess I don't drink a ton of Gruner um, or the ones that I drink feel very straightforward, but this was, yeah, really delicious. Um, had some like oxidation on the palate uh, and was well obviously well balanced but kind of somewhat savory like really delicious so um that was a standout from this past week and definitely check out our gruners list on mm-hmm. vinepair.com um but yeah that's kind of uh that's kind of it for me huh. nothing long wrong with a, a good gruner no I, I had like a gruner phase kind of earlier in my wine journey and then over the last <laughs> four or five years i've really come back to it like it kind of just I, I got into other things and then like I'm like no actually like there's they're they're great I think because early on it was like a lot of the like re- very kind of inexpensive Gruner Veltliner that was like clearly kind of coming in and trying to compete with like New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc mm-hmm. which was like was and is good just like a different thing and then all of a sudden like I'm like oh wait Gruner Veltliner can be this like more powerful intense kind of like weightier white wine in in certain places and certain yeah. sort of wine making styles and like that's been cool to see yeah definitely more complex than any gruner i've had in the past i guess it's on me to uh get us into today's topic i should yeah uh, well speaking of drinking beer and whiskey at home i guess apparently (laughs) some sort of cliche here so (laughs) i mean a topic that i think we've been kicking around for a while and sort of trying to figure out a way to kind of talk about it without it being too I don't want it to be, I don't think it made sense to be too newsy about it, but I do think it's something to discuss because it is an ongoing conversation for us and and in the drink space, which is kind of the role of gendered or maybe gendered marketing, advertising, and sort of even more broadly, the conversation around individual products, categories, et cetera. And I think Mm -hmm. like for listeners who aren't as tied into this in some ways as we are like a thing that happens a lot to I'm sure to both you and I Joanna and to to others too is you you get a lot of PR pitches you see a lot of the kind of ways that brands are trying to position themselves and some of them are more or less aggressively gendered and I I think the starting point the the question I want to ask you first Joanna is kind of like why do you think this is still an approach for so many brands? It is a question I ask myself all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, I get so many pitches that are so blatantly targeted at women. Um, many of them are related to dieting and weight loss, which is very, very unfortunate. Obviously, there's a whole category of skinny and zero cal and zero sugar and diet wine and drinks uh that are that are i think you know find success somewhere um and it's just a very unfortunate thing that they're usually targeted at women um but I, I, yeah i don't i oh so i understand the idea of like target consumers right and audience targeting what i don't understand is why why people are creating products today that need to be need to have gender-based marketing at all like if you did this why wouldn't you create something that was kind of neutral and appealed to everyone um 
it just it feels so antiquated for 2023 to be creating like a zero sugar wine for women. Yeah. And I think it's like two separate, but seems to me to be like two separate, but related issues. The first of them is like maybe the simpler, which is like, it's kind of just offensive. The notion that either, I mean, in the case that you're citing that, oh, the thing that would matter most to a to a woman who's looking to buy wine is the calorie count is like, I think both, I don't think true to say nothing of what it reinforces about sort of very stereotypical and antiquated notions about like what women should prioritize and like how they should look, et cetera. But even, even just the denial of the ability for like a woman to choose a wine. Cause it's like what she likes because it yeah. tastes good. It appeals to her on the same grounds that we expect a product to appeal to other people like it, that. So there's that element. And I think there's the other element of it, which is just kind of like, why are you intentionally kind of closing off so much of your potential audience? Like, yeah. I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about this product, but like one of the truly remarkable marketing successes over the last de- half decade is White Claw. And White Claw was successful because it did not, despite being quite well positioned to perhaps play the gendered marketing game it very intentionally did not and that's why you see all kinds of people all kinds of gender expressions drinking white claw and yeah there are a lot of other reasons too but like i think the fact that it didn't sort of intentionally predetermine who its audience was going to be allowed it to reach an incredibly large audience and now look not every product can or should aspire to that level of success but i just I think, you know, it's like we live in this world where we all know, you and I know, that, like, women are just as big into whiskey and beer as men, and yet so much whiskey and beer is still marketed directly to men and almost with the, like, intimation that, like, you know, only men can drink it or men can only drink this, both, I guess, at the same time. Right, unless there's a specific whiskey for women. Yeah. You know, I think back to, like, Jane Walker. Yeah. And and that kind of approach. Back to the white cloth um, example, though. What do you think it would have been? It could have been marketed to women because it, it was supposed to be like like low cal. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think the early entries into seltzer were much more of that model, right? right. It was like we're like low cal. You know, it's basically just slightly boozy seltzer. And I think, but you could have also like gone. I don't know, like m- more. Broed out, Bro-y. I guess, yeah. potentially. And I mean, like I, like I said, it's it's kind of managed to achieve success across both across all all consumers. It's not a it's not a binary thing. Yeah. But just like the notion that yeah, you're seeing the like yeah, that's really the, sorry, I'm a little bit all over the place here, but it, but it is fascinating <laughs> to me whether it's it's more because you're right, like you raised the the like the Jane Walker thing, and I'm thinking about like these ca- these things that are like such and such for women, which is where we see it more often because drinking is sort of I think stereotypically masculine, in- yeah, yeah, for men. Well, or just like viewed as like uh, unless it's explicitly not for men, it's for men. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, yeah, the concept of like a whiskey for women is like there's just no way that can't be deeply offensive or at least patronizing at the absolute best because like people like whiskey. Not, like, all people 
That's why it's so popular. Yeah, no, it's it's really um, it's really interesting. And, and I think about myself now, and I don't want I like, and maybe I'm, I imagine people have different feelings about this, but I don't want to be marketed to as a woman, especially yeah. in the drink space. I get it for other things, you know. Like, sure, tampons, I get it, fine. But like, <laughs> yeah, there may be a built-in target demographic. There. Exactly right, but like, especially today, where gender gender is so charged. <laughs> What's the right way to put it? Flu- fluid charged, whatever it is. Like, I don't know. I, I just feel like, like you said, you're. Why would you intentionally omit a potential sales? You know what I mean? I, I feel like if this is if this is what it's about, right? It's all like sales. It's all about money. Why would you intentionally not try to sell to a specific demographic? Yeah. Well, and I think it also like to come back to the like such and such for women question or t- that set of products. It also ignores the fact that like women are already buying and consuming that product and large numbers you know this idea that like you know that like you need a whiskey for women because otherwise women wouldn't even think that whiskey is something they could drink is like just completely you know uh, given lied to by what actually happens in the real world like you know this was a thing that was drilled into me early in my career as a service professional which is like you do not make assumptions about what someone wants or doesn't want and you know we're often talking about food but also drink comes into that space too that like you just you don't look at someone and think oh this person is gonna want this or prefer that and like again i mean my wife can share innumerable stories about being you know as a person who you know professionally dines out a decent amount does you know a fair bit of client entertaining and stuff like that being you know frankly poorly treated by service staff at times or just like not taken seriously even though well there's a lot that goes into that including like her position and whatnot but like there's an element of like yes i ordered a single malt whiskey or like yes i ordered this dish or like whatever like why are you making or no like the cocktail i want is not the vodka cocktail with fruit juice in it like right questioning yeah yeah Or, or just like assuming like you know looking at her as someone who like presents as like stereotypical female and being like, oh, I have a good handle on what you want to drink is just like yeah. it's just a it's an extremely it's it's both offensive and frankly dumb. It like it doesn't do anyone any good, and and it doesn't even get you to like the through it doesn't get you to a better answer for the guest or the consumer, and it also doesn't make it quicker. Like it does no favors to anyone. I want to ask though, like I understand and I agree that like I think it's difficult. To under, it's difficult to understand why this continues to be something that brands launch with as like a very clear target demo. If you and I are sitting here being like, well, it's not only offensive, it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. It could be just that like these brands are being poorly managed, right? Like they're getting bad advice. They're getting antiquated advice. The people who created them are you know, not in touch with what's going on right now. Okay. So that's one possibility, right? The other possibility is that there is actually an audience for this kind of gender coded product and we're just not seeing it. Like we don't, we don't understand it. And I'm, that's what I'm curious about. I mean, yeah, there must be, I guess is my only answer to that because we get, I can't tell you how many new products we get sent 
that just even from the there was so much clearly so much thought or maybe not enough thought went into how they look the messaging around them like you know the color choices the packaging you know all of that stuff like clearly there are many people behind these products and they're created in this day and age and it's very clear who they're created for yeah so there must be some data behind it um, some strategy behind that and maybe it is just more um, more prevalent and more successful than we know yeah and i wonder too if sometimes there's an element of like so i'm gonna take this away like a side tangent i apologize but like coming back to this thing of like products created for for women like another gripe of my wife's i guess i'm just airing a lot she never listens to the podcast but i'm airing her grievances right now so you're welcome (laughs) caitlin is like she's like you know she's a huge football fan and she's like you know why is it that like so many of the products that are like nfl of like officially licensed apparel that's like cut for women is like pink right oh sure she's like i don't want a pink jersey of the team i like i want a jersey that's fits me but is like the jersey that the players wear but at the same time like again you know i don't think this stuff is being made and then just like sitting in a warehouse until it eventually goes to like you know a landfill somewhere like presumably this stuff is being purchased and maybe we are just not seeing the audience because they're not the people that Maybe they're not people who, you know, read Vinepair in the case of the drink space or connect with us that often. If you are someone who, you know, this is the kind of product that you do vibe with one way or another, however it's, you know, whatever gender you are and however it's coded, then like, please let us know podcast at Vinepair.com. I think, you know, we would like to have a better sense for what the what the true market for these is. I just think about how uncomfortable it would be to have these sort of essential parts of your identity be the way and like be the the sole lens through which a product tries to connect with you. I, I just, it feels, yeah, it just feels bad. Thinking more about this, I think that there's a difference, you know, between a pink can mm-hmm. of something, which is like clearly meant for women, right? Sure. And then, and that just being like, whatever, it's a hard seltzer, it's a tequila soda, it is what it is, but it's clearly meant for women. And then, and and something that's more like a diet drink mm-hmm. that's meant for women. Like, I think it's more offensive to me when the the marketing and the messaging is based around, like, value, like, assumptions mm-hmm. about values to specific genders. That's when I think it it feels more offensive than just, like, yeah... Women like pink and purple, and they'll buy this because of it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, certainly the diet side of it is maybe the most kind of... I guess for drinks, yeah. Yeah, like just that notion that like, you know, of course you should be... This should be the thing you're concerned about or like, you know, the kind of like intimation that if you're not concerned about this, like you're you're, you're somehow, I don't know, doing something wrong... And I think we get to, we see this, you know, it's one of maybe one of the things that was that ha- has been and was frustrating for everyone about like the sort of clean wine yeah. thing and all that. Right. This idea that like, you know, maybe all people, but like women in particular were intended to be like sort of like super, I don't know, scrupulous or vigilant about like exactly everything that they're consuming and that like, you know, the, 
yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. And, you know, even women as a category is probably, you know, a lot of these things are not even being marketed to all women. They're being marketed to a specific type of woman, which is, you know, yeah, there's a lot there that's maybe unpleasant and, you know, just kind of unfortunate. Well, I think about another example of this is like Voodoo Ranger being kind of like marketed to men, I would say. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the the Voodoo Ranger is like a skeleton guy and they have these like super high ABV beers. Like, so guys like, I don't know, it's it's kind of similar, right? Like the boozier, the better and men drink it and they can handle it and that's what they want, you know? Yeah, there's like that weird like... And we know that works, right? We know it works that way. Yeah, it's like the two, the weird two faces of the industry, right? It's like, you know, you're, if you don't like this, you're not a man kind of marketing, which is, you know, I don't think it's, it's, it doesn't strike me as as offensive. It's maybe a little easier to reject, but, but it's still like also kind of a, frankly, kind of fucked up way to market your product is to like imply or explicitly say that someone who doesn't like your product is like, there's something wrong with them. Like people have the right to make a lot of choice. And I, I just, yeah, I mean, this, this whole topic, I don't know. I, I just, it's a little it bums fraught. me out. Well, and it just bums me out because it's like, I get that it's not a very advanced marketing pitch to be like, we think you'll like our product, but like, I don't know that any of this stuff really works in the long run. Anyhow, like maybe you can have a little short term blip, but like, I think in the end, if you're, what you're making doesn't taste good, it doesn't meet people's needs, then no amount of like targeted marketing that, you know, intends to either sort of shame or guilt or otherwise coerce people based on their gender or any other characteristic into drinking something is really going to last, right? Because we we do live in a time, I think the, the last thing I say about this is like, you know, we are spoiled for choice these days. Yeah. And I think the truth is, is that some of this marketing approach maybe made sense in an era when like, there weren't as many choices. I mean, think about like cigarettes, right? Cigarettes, I mean, which it, our younger listeners will be shocked to learn were a thing that like everyone smoked all the time and were widely marketed. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But like, you know, there were all kinds of brands that were intentionally targeted at specific audiences, oh, yeah. often owned by the same conglomerate, just, you know, and often were basically the same product, just packaged slims. Yeah, cools, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but even like, you know, Marlboro and filtered or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. all of these things were designed to hit a specific, you know, not just even a specific gender, but kind of specific gender expressions. Uh, not that they conceived of it that way at the time, but like. I like that though. But like now I think you have, uh, well, not in cigarettes exactly, but in, in beverage, you have so many options that people can just find a product that meets their needs much more organically. They don't need it to be heavily marketed to them to kind of understand it. Like, Hey, if you're a person who prefers a lighter, lower alcohol wine, like that's just out there. That's not hard, yeah. that hard to find these days. Or if you're someone who likes a really big double IPA, regardless of your gender expression, like they're also really out there and everything out between them. And you don't need to be kind of like, tipped off like oh this is the thing that you like if you if you're you know a man or whatever (laughs) by like how the product is advertised like i just we don't we don't have such a a lack of choice or information about what we're consuming the the way that we perhaps used to yeah i think yeah exactly i think it's a we just have so much information now that it seems somewhat lazy to 
gender your marketing. And I think it can just, you can be so much more clever. And yes, you definitely, (laughs) you risk backlash. Is that worth it? It must be worth it. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I hate to say this because we have lots of people who work in PR and marketing who listen and we thank you for your time. But like, I'm not convinced that every PR and marketing person is great at their job. I'm just going to say that. Uh, (laughs) I think there's a lot of running, using the same playbook over and over again until you are like explicitly proven wrong. And in this product, in something like a new product launch, it's really hard to glean why a product fails, right? Most new products do. So if your new product fails, because as it turns out, people didn't want it to be marketed to them in such a kind of stereotypical and, you know, marginal, somewhat offensive way, way, you're not going to necessarily know that that's why your product failed versus like, maybe it tastes bad, or maybe it was poorly priced, or you didn't get good distribution or who knows, right? Like a new drinks product can fail for so many reasons that tying it to the advertising campaign, the marketing campaign is hard unless you get really, really overwhelming feedback. And that does happen sometimes, but like, I just think it's, it just, I don't think it does much. And I think it can do even in a crude economic sense, it can be more harmful than beneficial. Yeah. I don't know. Super interesting. I'm sure there's lots of data, (laughs) um, that we could have, uh, consulted first <laughs> but why not just talk about it without the data it's more fun this <laughs> that's way. how podcasts are yeah Sorry, <laughs> well zach this was a great chat and uh we'll uh, be back here on friday talking about something else maybe drinking something let's Ooh, hope sounds great thanks so much for listening to the vine pair podcast the flagship podcast of the vine pair podcast network if you love listening to this show or even if you don't but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show. And now for some totally awesome credits. So, the Vinepair Podcast is recorded in our New York City headquarters and in Seattle, Washington, in Zach Chabal's basement. It is recorded by Zach, mastered, and produced by Zach. He loves all the credit. Keep giving it to him. Drop his name in the reviews. He's going to love hearing how much you love him. It is also recorded in New York City by our tastings director, Keith Beavers, who is the managing director of the entire Vinepair Podcast Network. I'd also love to give a shout out to our editor-in-chief, Joanna Sherino, who joins us on every single podcast as our third and most important host. Thank you as well to the entire VinePair staff and everyone who's been involved in making VinePair as special as it's become. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.